Let's do this. Hello, interwebs, <laughs> and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. The Star Wars sequels. Some of the most divisive films ever made. And we're going to give them our most passionate defense today. Not because we like them, to be clear, but because we wanted a challenge. And it might be entertaining. You'll be the judge. Prepare for us to be insanely passive-aggressive today. Mm-hmm. Future generations, however, may thank us. Say, <laughs> Look at them. They defended the sequels before it was cool. And it probably will be cool one day when the kids who grew up with the sequels are old enough. Just like we defended the prequels when we were old enough. But uh, let's get right past our medium shot. We don't need yeah. context for this. We're gonna we're gonna get into our backgrounds anyway as we go. Mm-hmm. So do you want to just kind of bounce back and forth on this? Do episode? Yeah, do let's it, just do like, best. Just whatever comes up. Yeah, we'll do episode by episode, and then bounce yeah. back. Well, let's not even get into the movie itself right away. I want to talk about how. Episode 7, I think a good defense for Episode 7 to me is how I remember it. Because however the movie actually is, I think it's my favorite movie experience of all time. It's Hmm. because I still remember the lead up to that, right? You know, the trailers were coming out. Everybody was freaking out. The Chewie, we're home trailer was viral. Mm -hmm. It blew up. Everybody was... Going crazy. What Han Solo, Harrison Ford's back? This is nuts. Everyone was in like the most hyped I've ever seen anybody going into anything pretty well. I feel like the hype for this even beat out Infinity War and Endgame. Like people were losing their minds over Force Awakens when it came out. And I still remember the little theater in my town managed to get it somehow opening night at seven o'clock. The, the Thursday night, and we were like, what? You actually you actually got it? Because this theater usually did second-run movies. And my friend was like, he decided to come with us, like, last minute, because uh, he was trying to get tickets elsewhere, I think. And then we went into the theater on lunch from school. Like, we walked downtown and then and got the theater, and he got the last ticket that the theater was selling wow. for, for opening night. And we're like, hell yeah. And then there's actually a picture of us the theater crew took the night of the movie started. We we were like in the front line. We were like the first five people into the theater to see like it was I think my brother and his friends were like just ahead of us. And then it was me and my friends. So we were like the <laughs> first group going in the opening night for The Force Awakens, one of the first showings on the continent. And like the vibe was nuts. People were dressing up. Everyone was so hyped, and I still remember I was sitting next to my one friend, and we were joking, so how many times do you think the stormtroopers are going to miss in this one? We're laughing about it, opening scene, they massacre the village. We're like, oh Oh my god. That game's gone (laughs) from scene one. It was just an all-around fantastic movie-going experience, and even the vibe kept going afterwards. I remember the, the day after that, at the school talent show, a couple of my friends and I played Cantina Band as a <laughs> as a um, as a trio. I was uh, on clarinet. My one friend was on marimba. The other one was on tuba. And then I think for the for the winter concert, like a, a month or two later, my band even got the Force Awakens sheet music for John Williams score. And like everyone, like all the nerds in the band, absolutely loved it. We were all. 
we all knew the score exactly and we had like little gags planned like luke was even my brother luke was even gonna get like a his replica lightsaber and someone was gonna hand it to him just for <laughs> stupid gags that <laughs> it was it was funny to us but it was just it's hard to replicate that vibe in high school like people were quoting it left and right it was it was a thing and yeah. however however i feel about the movie itself i still remember the fun everybody had talking about it and leading up to it and watching it and and even for a couple months afterwards basically until the last jedi and like riding off that cliffhanger for those couple years so from like i'd say mm-hmm. 2014 to 2017 or whenever the last jedi came out like those were a really fun couple years to be yeah. a star wars fan it was and, a great time and even though the trilogy in my opinion didn't turn out it was a great couple of years mm-hmm. at the beginning. I agree. I mean, this movie I saw in theaters three times. I saw it once with my buddy Taylor, who we promised to see every Star Wars movie together um, in theaters or every like main trilogy uh, movie. And we yeah. successfully did that. Saw it once again with my brother. And then I saw it once again with my dad i believe it was my dad or dad or both my parents uh and yeah the hype was real (laughs) i mean the marketing the you basically summed it up the marketing for it the um merchandise was everywhere even before the movie came out the and even after the movie all the fan theories like probably the most popular videos on youtube at the time were what's gonna happen in last jedi or who's who's raised parents what is luke's Luke been doing why did Ben who Snoke like that was the big questions like the hype yeah. was real which was probably what added to the downfall of the yeah. trilogy as well was people got way too hyped and way too into it but uh yeah. we'll get into that <laughs> yeah I think my brother was the biggest fan of that movie I know he saw the movie seven times in theaters wow seven times yeah that I remember. He may have even seen it more. He saw it at least seven times in theaters. More when he... I think he got it the first day it came out on Blu-ray. He watched it more then, too. Uh, you'll find... it's You're, you're hard-pressed to find a guy who hates the sequels more than he does now, but when Force Awakens first came out, he was all over that. Right. And I, I wasn't as into it as much as he was, but, like, once again, like, the quotes... He could quote that movie front to back. He probably knows every line in that movie to this day because of mm-hmm. how he and his friends were. Uh, the other best thing about Force Awakens and this entire trilogy is it gave the world Adam Driver as Kylo Ren. I'll just I'll throw that in right away. Yeah. It. I know Adam Driver was a thing before. I think he did indie movies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Oscar Isaac. They were both in yeah. stuff but they've they never well been known. yeah but well, they've they never been well known but they were known they're not like even john boyega had been in a couple mm-hmm. successful yeah. movies like daisy Ridley was a total unknown at the mm-hmm. time but uh, let's focus on adam driver for a little bit right now because i think he was the best find in this whole trilogy him being the only surviving skywalker pretty well by the end and well even then he died but there was a point he was the last skywalker his story to me was the most consistent because i kind of liked how it starts in the middle of his story you know that he was a jedi once he already went bad 
But even from the trailers, he was fascinating to me because you see he's got this shrine to Darth Vader and he's talking to his grandfather like, oh, yeah, I'm going to finish what you started. And oh, he didn't really know what that meant at the time. But just this idea of him struggling to be pulled back by the light. He's like, I got to be edgy as possible and kind of this this emo teen sort of guy <laughs> because I am good on the inside, but I'm trying to convince myself and everybody else I'm a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's an interesting draw for the main villain. Because Anakin was, yeah, he was a good guy too, but he just went down a dark path. And Luke kind of had that pull to, oh, well, if I use the dark side, maybe I'll get further ahead in good aims. And Kylo Ren's just like, no, he's actually a decent guy, all things considered, but he just really wants to be bad. Yeah, he wants it ang- so bad. Because he committed, to- he's kind of like Darth Vader in that way, really, because he, he kind of took a bad path and feels like obligated to keep staying on it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I helped destroy Luke's Jedi temple and I allied myself with Snoke. So now I feel like I've got to keep doing this because my family probably won't want to take me back. And that's why he had to kill Han because Han did forgive him in the end. And he's like, well, crap, dad forgave me. I can't, I got, I got to kill him or else I will turn back and Mm -hmm. go with him. He's so obsessed with power and uh, like the betrayal he felt from Luke that he's just kind of clouded by it. And it makes a lot of sense with why he would want to kill his dad because he feels conflicted by it. His dad sent him to Luke. He probably feels that he was never really in his life that much. Um, and so it does make sense. And I do, I agree with you. Kylo Ren was definitely the most consistent character throughout this entire sequel uh, trilogy. His passion really has always just been trying to prove himself and more so yeah. tries to, in I feel like in, this movie, but also in Last Jedi as well, trying to prove himself to Snoke or trying to prove himself basically to himself that, like, yeah, he can be like Darth Vader. He can be one of the most powerful beings in the universe and not feel undermined by his family or Luke. Um, yeah. And he's got, I'm just going to say it, he's got a cool lightsaber. It's a great design. Yeah. With the All the haters ports. are like, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make sense if the lightsaber got caught. It's like, it's a cool design. It's, it's an ancient Whatever. design. It's something he did, and it's technically a fucked up lightsaber. You know, it, it, the reason why it looks all broken is because it is broken. I just, it's it's a yeah. well-crafted design. Yeah. To me, I like his moments of conflict, like when he's, uh, well, I think in The Last Jedi where he's attacking the ship and he's going to blow up the bridge that Leia's on, but then he hesitates. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't take the shot. Well, the bridge gets blown up anyway, but he he didn't take the shot because he, yeah. he couldn't bring himself to do it. Or even later in that movie when Snoke's like, oh, yeah, you're going to kill her. I feel you twisting the saber. You're going to activate it. <laughs> and, and to me, the reason he didn't just dip out there was because once again, he's like, oh, I committed. I'm already a bad guy and I killed my master. So... Ray's probably like, okay, well, you can just quit now. And he's like, no, I got to double down because that's kind of my whole character yeah. at this point. I got to 
I'm going to be supreme leader and keep going on this path because I got to like I've convinced myself this is what I've got to do. So I'm going to keep doing it. And then in Rise of Skywalker, one of the best parts is when Leia calls out to him and then she forgives him, too. And she distracts him just long enough for for Ray to stab him. And that mm-hmm. was kind of his wake up call. He's like because he's always a mama's boy, too. Yeah. And then he sees the that memory of Han Solo. That's that's the best part of Rise of Skywalker for me was when that scene Absolutely. replayed. Not the least because I didn't expect Harrison Ford to ever come back after Force Awakens. Oh, yeah. Huge shocker. Like, what the? He came back for this? Mm-hmm. But that was, to, that was the best scene in that movie where he finally accepts Han's forgiveness and whips his lightsaber yeah. out into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And then he has his redemption arc and goes to save, help Rey and beat Palpatine mm-hmm. and Kylo Ren's got the most complete arc of this whole trilogy. His is the only one that actually kind of makes sense from start to finish. Yeah. I liked you brought up the, I do love that rise of Skywalker piece as well. It's a great moment. It also calls back to force awakens a lot. Um, I know what I have to do, time. but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this then time, like, dad, like, and then he just goes, I know it's like, Oh, that's yeah. It's nostalgia, baby, but it's good. But I really love that moment between him and Leia in Last Jedi where he's about to fire the missile because I believe that was hyped up a lot in the trailers as well. Yeah. And I love when... Kylo going to kill Leia? Yeah. And I love when they do that that force perspective thing where... And they film it. It's well done in the original trilogy. Well, it starts in the original trilogy and then they've just kept it the same throughout all sorts of media where... It looks like the two characters are looking directly at each other, but they're in two different locations. Like they can feel each other's presence and just the way those moments are shot and the way like the music swells or whatever and how the actors act. You can just feel like that they sense each other's presence really well. And just like Leia's face, just like, don't do it. Just like, please, like, like my boy, don't do it. And you just feel the, the conflict in Adam Driver's face as he's almost about to hit like press you know the button to kill his mom yeah um there's a funny moment though when i was first watching force awakens where kyle reveals his face for the first time and there's oh, nothing yeah. wrong with his face and that then there's funny. a woman yeah, there was a woman behind me that went what <laughs> just like for some reason that blue. felt like a reveal i don't, I don't know why it was a common reaction like oh nothing is wrong with this guy he You're looks fine yeah he looks totally fine Mm-hmm. And that's that was a great villain reversal because I think you expect bad guys were sort of coded to believe or oh disfigured or look weird mm-hmm. or whatever, and he's just normal white dude. Yeah, he's, just, he's he looks fine, and that's why I think in the Last Jedi they gave him a scar because mm-hmm. he's okay. Well, now he's he's more messed up. He was he was riding that line, and now he's deeper in the classic bad guy territory. He's got a scar now. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's yeah. And then thing. he adds the scar onto his helmet, which is pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Adds that in Rise of Skywalker. I remember some criticism about Kylo Ren when it when Force Awakens first came out, where they're like, "Oh, he's just like a man baby." Like, what about that scene when he's just like? 
he's angry and he just starts slicing up the console. It's hilarious. Like, this guy this guy isn't an intimidating villain. He's just a he's just a whiny baby. I'm like, yeah, so are all the Skywalkers. Are you new? <laughs> I want to go to Tossie Station and pick up some power converters. I'm like, that that's the point. He's not that he's not supposed to be intimidating. He's just a very powerful guy who's mm-hmm. anyone older and wiser than we are can see that. He's just a, a kid putting on a front. Oh, also, we didn't point. know who Kylo Ren was when going into it. True. In terms of marketing. And then the True. reveal in the movie, the amount of gasps I heard when like in the has presence of your father, Han Solo, just, oh, what? Yeah. Just never thought that connection would happen because you didn't know. You didn't see his face. You didn't know who was under it. Again, Adam Driver wasn't really that well known. And you're just like, what the fuck? I still Great think, reveal. yeah, and you know who else had a thing about parents that had reveals as well? Ray. Ray. <laughs> that one was a bit more weird, though. Got to find a way to defend that. So all of Force Awakens basically <laughs> says, all of Force Awakens basically says, your parentage is important. And Last Jedi says, no, your parentage doesn't matter. And then Rise of Skywalker. Rises. Says, well, it is, but in a different way. <laughs> but but it actually okay okay okay. We'll see. The the thing is, you're the descendant of a Palpatine clone who was a nobody, and that didn't matter. But you're like basically Palpatine's granddaughter. But your parents didn't matter. That's true. So you're, you're yeah. trying to have it both ways, which was a a way to do it. I personally believe that they were trying to set up Ray to be Skywalker's kid. All because of one scene where it's at the end of it's one of my favorite moments in Star Wars where Kylo, he's he fights um Finn and yeah. he like fucks up his back and then he tries to force pull the lightsaber. It's not working. It's jiggling. And then it flies over to Ray. And then you hear the theme from the twin sunsets from A New Hope. And it's just like an awesome moment. And as like the music swells, she turns on the lightsaber and they do their fight and it's amazing. So that's what that's was my theory for years until they were like, they don't matter. <laughs> you know what? I got to now's the time I got to defend that because, well, I mean, that's the whole point of this. But that pissed me off royally at the time. And a mm. lot about The Last Jedi continues to piss me off royally. But that's not one of them. The fact that they tried to say her parents are nobody, I actually like that. I was now, fine to with be, it. Now, to be fair, I still don't like it in the context of The Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker, where those two movies try to say, no, your parents were somebody. But taken on its own, if you hadn't put up in my mind that her parents were important, when that reveal would feel, I don't know, maybe a little less impactful but that would just be like people building up their own theories instead of the movie telling you something's mm-hmm. important and then saying it's not. It would be like, oh, people built up their own theories about who she was and they're just saying, oh, no, you're a nobody, which I think works thematically for that movie because a large criticism of Star Wars is that it's a very insular tale where a couple of families, I guess in this point, the the Emperor the Emperor and I guess his family and the Skywalker clan are really the only important people. They all, it's 
is basically just about one family and a couple of their friends trying to make a difference in the galaxy. And then you had the sequels who they weren't connected at all, uh, except in, in like, oh, Ray knew Han Solo. He was kind of a father figure to her. Leia sort of becomes a mother figure to her. Luke's one of her mentors. They're connected by, by mentorship and mm-hmm. passing the torch that way. But to hear her say her parents were nobody, it's like, oh, wow, you're, you're a very powerful person in the force who came from nothing. It's not about, like, lineages and midichlorians don't make one great. It's, you can, it goes back to the original idea of Star Wars, that greatness can come from anywhere. Luke was just a farm boy who got embroiled in this galactic conflict and worked himself up through sheer will and determination to become a hero. Mind you, I don't think Rey's arc is that clean because she never had to try as hard as Luke did to rise from nothing. So it gets a little muddy there, but I still like the idea that Mm -mm. you don't have to come from greatness to be great. On paper, that's good. And I've come around on it since that movie, uh, though I was annoyed by it for a very, very long time. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, as someone who was very into the he, she's a Skywalker theory, and then they were like, oh, no, her parents were nobody. I was mad at the time, but then grew to be like, that's actually different, and I accept it. And then things happened. <laughs> I didn't mind that she's a Kenobi theory. That didn't make sense to me. I mean, like, it could have made sense if maybe he got with Sabine, but... And then she was a descendant of, like, his... Oh, there's, like... I know there's a theory that Sabine's nephew is Obi-Wan's kid with her because he has, like, orange hair, like, the same colored hair as Obi-Wan. Right. Which has not been confirmed or denied yet. But uh, I like that theory. I'm sticking with that theory. (laughs) I don't mind that. Um... Yeah. Yeah, we should talk about Finn a little bit. <laughs> the other the other main guy. Well, what do we have to say about Finn? Uh John Boyega is above this material. He's yeah. very John Boyega I think I like more as a personality than as Finn. To me, when I hear about these movies, John Boyega is like us. He's the fan mm-hmm. who's like, Yep, that went a way. <laughs> and I didn't really agree with it. And Mark Hamill, too. But we, we can get into him later. But uh, John Boyega was always pretty open about liking these movies from a a fan's perspective and just being so happy to be able to be a part of it. He just kind of felt like the everyman and the voice of the mm-hmm. fan base throughout all these movies. And he was just as disappointed as everybody else at his ultimate role in it, from what I gather, uh, just based on what he's talked about. Um, but yeah, he was always really good in it. I, I think he was the best in Force Awakens. He had the most interesting arc. Oh, this is pretty interesting. A stormtrooper who. Defecting. Defecting because he grew a conscience. Well, I mean, he was raised from birth to be a fighter, but the first time he actually saw combat, he's like, oh, this is what I'm fighting for. Well, I mean, propaganda is one thing, but now that I'm actually out on the field, I don't drive with this. And 
that was that was enough for him to defect. And I, I like how he had a rivalry with Captain Phasma as a subplot. Yeah, that was good. I like that a lot. The two of them had their back and forth. Uh, and then mm-hmm. The Last Jedi cut that short. Oh, she died again. Great. Oh, God. Positive. <laughs> Their rivalry was interesting. Mm-hmm. And they had a better fight scene in a deleted scene, anyway. Or right. a better ending to that fight scene. Yeah, I also like that in Last Jedi, he was a he was a coward. Once again, I don't think yeah. they let they I don't think they led up to it very well. But once again, on no. paper, it's an interesting idea that Finn was a defector in Force Awakens. He saw a taste of combat. He ran, and then even though he went through the rest of Force Awakens, kind of just by accident, trying to survive. Oh, I got a lightsaber here. I'll defend this. Like I want to help Ray, my friend, get out of danger. I like Poe. Oh, you survived. That's pretty cool. So he's got friends, but he still doesn't really care about the cause. Mm-hmm. So, oh, what do you know? First time things go very bad again. Nobody I know is in direct danger. Let's take the escape pod and get out. Because, <laughs> sure, yeah. I don't really want to. I'm not a hero. I don't really want to do this combat thing. Which I guess you could say came around full circle in the end because the first scene of that movie is him trying to run away. And then the last is him trying to sacrifice himself for the greater good. So he, he did have a decent arc in The Last Jedi. I just don't remember the connective tissue very well. Canto Bite's all a blur. Um, oh, God. Canto Bite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he does gain a backbone in that movie and is willing to sacrifice himself. And would have been better if he got to sacrifice himself because that would have a, been a very big shock if you're one of your trios sacrificed in the middle installment and B, it was like the perfect ending for him at that moment, mm-hmm. which is why in Rise of Skywalker, he doesn't really have a lot to do. No, we're going to make him force sensitive now. Okay. Which, okay, that's another idea I don't mind. They kind of hinted that he was had Jedi potential in the in the first one. All the yeah. trailers were him with the lightsaber. Everyone expected him to be the hero of it. Really, Ray being the hero was the surprise because mm-hmm. all the marketing made it seem like it was Finn's story. Yeah. Or that he'd be a Jedi. Finn had the lightsaber for 90% of the movie. Exactly. That would have been an interesting story to see what would happen if a defective stormtrooper was Force-sensitive and then turned out to just become a Jedi. Kyle Katarn! (laughs) (laughs) So it's happened. Um. Yes. (laughs) Okay, it's not not canon anymore, but... Yeah, it could be. Anyway. uh. Anybody who's uh, my age or a little bit older remembers Dark Forces, Jedi Knight video games, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I wanted it, uh, it would be, excuse me, it'd be interesting to see if both of them were Force-sensitive, both Finn and uh, Rey, and seeing them both trying to be, like, Jedis together. And, like, what what would a plot, what would a story look like where they're both trying to sort of train with each other, but then it's not working, so then they have to go out and find Luke? Yeah. I didn't even mind in Rise of Skywalker... Once again, I, I like a lot of the ideas that these have. Mm-hmm. In Rise of Skywalker, 
the main problem was that they spent the whole movie trying to beat around the bush that he was force sensitive. It's like, just tell her yeah. what you're thinking. Like this was clearly cut and you did the character a disservice, but it would just tell us that he's force sensitive because that'd be cool. But I also like that he found these other ex stormtroopers and found a new sense of community too. Like, Oh, there's a lot of other people like me out there who could probably use my help reacclimating into the galaxy at large. And so Finn goes on a journey of being this defecting coward to somebody who becomes more of a leader and tries is still looking for a place, but he doesn't end with a complete arc is the problem. He starts as a defector who leaves his stability and he ends rise of Skywalker Maybe Force-sensitive, maybe looking to be a Jedi, maybe going off with other ex-stormtroopers. He's starting mm. to find a sense of community again. It's incomplete, but he was going in a direction. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, maybe a romance with Poe, but that was just queer bait. That didn't happen. And then maybe a romance with Rey, and then that was bait as well. <laughs> and then maybe a romance with that. One girl in Rise of Skywalker, but that didn't happen. Yeah. Orphan. Finn Orphan. nearly. He gets no a, love. <laughs> he nearly had a complete story. Yeah. Uh, I think the character they did the most dirty was Poe. Like yeah. In Force Awakens, he's sort of this, yes, he's this like badass, cocky uh, rebel pilot, but he's also, he's not like a, he doesn't not take or like yeah he doesn't he's not a defector as well or a um like a guy who won't take orders where in the last jedi he fully gets like an entire squadron killed and then gets demoted and then starts a mutiny and then yeah. in the rise of skywalker he just argues with ray all the time it's like yeah. just like child banter and that really pissed me off because poe was one of my favorites going into the last jedi yeah, my brother always likes to tell the story of how that epic scene when Maz Kanata's castle is getting blown up. So and, good. And then that black X-Wing just comes in and starts wrecking all the TIE fighters. My brother all in one shot. his friend, that's a hell of a pilot. And then Finn, that's one <laughs> hell of a pilot. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I just I just said that. <laughs> so good. I love that scene. Yeah, it's the reveal he's still alive, which, okay, yeah, we knew he would be. He didn't mm -hmm. kill off Oscar Isaac early on. It's in the trailer. <laughs> He's in <Yeah>. the trailer. <laughs> yeah. But I just, he was a really cool character. Like, oh, mm -hmm. you're a hotshot pilot who doesn't have the force, but you're, you're as good as you think you are. Yeah. He's pretty damn good. And I liked his banter with Finn too. He, he was very, they had great chemistry when they first met each other. It's like, oh, well, you're a defecting stormtrooper, mm -hmm. but he's still kind of nice to him. At the same time, like, oh, you're you're willing to help me out? Okay, yeah, we can do this together. Let's let's do this. Uh, who are you? FN two one eight seven. I'll call you Finn. <laughs> yeah, sure, makes sense. And I love I love Finn's dynamic with uh, Han Solo as well, where he calls him big deal. Big deal. And then their little banner, like that's not how the Force works. <laughs> Force Awakens is a very quotable movie. Yeah, I love Force Awakens. I think it's. I think it's vastly underrated now because the entire sequel trilogy is out, but at the time, a lot of people loved it. I never made a deal with Kanja Club. Tell that to Kanja Club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. 
Or even the little you moments. D- you ran the Kelso run in 14 parsecs. 12! 12! 14. <laughs> He's like offended. <laughs> a lot of the moments were Han Solo. Yeah. Or when He's he uses really good Chew- in it. Or when he uses Chewie's bowcaster. Mm-hmm. I like I this like thing. <laughs> Let me yeah. try that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've talked about this before, but when Harrison Ford cares about something and tries, he puts on an amazing performance. Yeah. Yeah, he's very... He's still... What I liked about Han Solo in this movie was that he... He didn't feel like a... Okay, well, I didn't like what they did with Luke. A right? shoe-in. Yeah, okay, let, let, I gotta compare this to what they did with Mark Hamill, which I'll try to defend as best I can later. But I can defend it. <laughs> Last Jedi, Luke, never felt like Luke Skywalker to me. It felt completely like a different character that was just existing to further the plot that Ryan Johnson made. Han Solo felt like an older version of Han Solo. He didn't have a... And, you know, this is a Han that didn't end up staying with Leia. His son went bad. He fell on hard times. This Han didn't have a great future either, but he still felt like Han Solo, or a version of him I can believe as an older Han Solo who fell on some hard times. I never got that emotional disconnect with him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, this is in the version of Han Solo I wanted to see, but it also felt, yeah, okay, I can buy this for what it is. And Harrison Ford sold it very well. He's, he's still a mentor. Uh, he's a good mentor to Ray. Teaches her a few things. And he gets, he gets some good moments with his son as well. Uh, like the scene at the bridge, um, where he gets killed. Still don't love how he actually died. Something about that always felt a little off to me. Not that he died, but just, the way it was filmed. I never, I never felt much emotion watching that scene. Like I wanted to, mm-hmm. but right. But I didn't mind that he died by his son's hand. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, cause Han, you think, Oh, well, Han, Han's the kind of guy who would shoot first. He'd think his way out of the situation. Yeah. But even the ever cynical Han Solo, his heart mellowed out when it came to his kid. He got, he got Especially. too complex. He got too complacent around Ben. So with anybody else, yeah, I'd agree with you. He was being stupid. But with his kid, I, I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he kid. went out that way. Yeah. Different connection. Um, yeah, I just really love Force Awakens because, yeah, it's based, It's almost like a, like a one-for-one one of New Hope in some ways. But it's got its little differences here and there. And just the way it's shot is amazing. I just, it's, especially the, the flying scene. scenes as well. The action's really well done. Uh, I like the First Order look. Say what you mm-hmm. will about the Stormtroopers, but the hel- new helmet design is really cool. It became iconic instantly. Um, yeah, just the sets alone, the the different world buildings, how, the different fights as well. Um, I'm right now I'm thinking think, of that scene where the Millennium Falcon's flying through the wreck of the Star Destroyer oh, on so good. Uh, on Jakku. That's a great scene. Um what are some other action scenes? Or like the Mazkanata Castle scene when the when the TIE fighters mm-hmm. are wrecking house at the top there. Yeah. When they're on the sky uh Star Killer planet. Star Killer um, base, yeah. Yeah. And that moment where they 
when they use the weapon for the first time and they just completely ign- annihilate the, uh, the Republic. Republic. Yeah. You're just like, oh, these guys aren't, these guys aren't <laughs> fucking yeah, around. They just, yeah. just destroyed entire star systems. Insane. Well, that, that Starkiller base thing reminds me that one of the best things to come from The Force Awakens was the SNL sketch undercover boss Starkiller base. Yep. That's a classic. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite SNL sketches I've ever seen. (laughs) Where's my It was so good they did another one. Yeah. (laughs) Kylo Ren is a punk bitch. I bet he's 30 pounds soaking wet under that little black dress of his. Oh, look. He's choking on food. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Adam Driver has a great sense of humor. It's incredible. And the sequel was funny, too. Okay, boomer. Oh, man, when SNL was good. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, First Awakens got criticized for being too similar to A New Hope, like he said. But that's something I never really minded because yeah. I know George Lucas has talked in the past about how the saga is like poetry. It's supposed to rhyme. They have like A New Hope and Phantom Menace. There's a lot of similar beats in those installments, they they do feel more distinct from each other, but it's like, oh, the orphan on the desert planet gets the call to adventure and goes off to fight the thing. They blow up a starship at the end. Like, you could say Phantom Menace followed a lot of the same beats as well. Mm-hmm. Force Awakens was just more directly inspired by A New Hope than Phantom Menace was, and it was right. a little... And I know George Lucas complained that visually it was less innovative. They didn't push technology forward as much. These like they didn't use different styles of ships or really invent a lot of new things for it. But in terms of the fact that it's too similar, I never really cared because it worked. Like it was basically look. I I know people. Uh, they, <laughs> I can't think of the idea. They balk at the idea of a uh, of remaking Star Wars ever. Force Awakens was basically that. It was a modern remake of Star Wars with a new skin on it that just so happened to be in continuity. And it was good. You know what? It's not as good as A New Hope, but it's a good movie. And the fact that it's similar, whatever. Like, it's a criticism, but -hmm. it's not, like, it doesn't make it a worse movie because it's too similar. It might make it repetitive if you're a Star Wars fan, but it's still a good movie. Also, and, to be fair, I think, like, they had to play it safe. I mean, they're starting an entire trilogy. Yeah. And, like, two, and it's, I don't put any blame on J.J. Abrams at all. I put blame on the studio for not having the same director or writer be for the entire trilogy and say, hey, we're going to have three different directors and writers for these three different movies, and we're just going to hope that they gel together well. Yeah. They didn't. And that's what happened with Last Jedi, so much so that they were afraid to do the Duel of the Fates one. Uh, that's what the title was. or what Colin, the Yeah, Colin Trevorrow's episode nine. Mm-hmm. That's what his was going to be, that they were so afraid that they just brought back J.J. Abrams because they knew he was going to do what they wanted. Yeah. Well, unlike Rise of Skywalker, I think episode seven is arguably the best nostalgia bait movie ever made. Yeah. Because <laughs> once again, it maybe takes a lot of liberties with 
Uh, I mean, it, it pays a lot of homage to A New Hope, but it's still a good movie. You have like mm-hmm. oh, all the little moments like, oh, when Finn discovers the the training ball on on the Millennium yep. Falcon or even just before that, the Millennium Falcon's reveal. What, that, that hunk of junk? Okay, the junk mm-hmm. will do. They're, they're yeah. going for, like, that's fun stuff. Or getting the lightsaber back from Oz castle or the whole, or Chewie getting his medal at the end. Whatever. Like, there's a lot of nostalgia bait moments, but I didn't mind it in those movies because they were subtle and they didn't affect the whole plot. Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. the nostalgia bait was... Actually, sorry, that wasn't really nostalgia bait so much as fan taking service. whatever the fans... It was fan service. Yeah. Yeah. Force Awakens handled fan service pretty well, all things considered. Mm-hmm. People whine about it being in there at all, but I'm like, I don't care. I felt serviced and not inconvenienced. How can you not? It's yeah. one of the biggest franchises of all time. How can you not add some nostalgia bait or some fan service stuff? Yeah. I'm just going to completely ignore it? Rise of Skywalker, however, leaned a little too far into it because it was basically yeah. just a checklist of what was like fan theories on Reddit. Because Last Jedi went out of its way to ignore most theories, Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. doubled down on all of them. But being positive, <laughs> uh, I <laughs> being positive about that, I will try to argue that... The fan service is a good thing. Let's just Continue. say that somebody, <laughs> many people were probably happy to see their theories get put on screen. Even mm-hmm. though it didn't make sense because they tried to do all of them. Some of them, a lot of them might have made sense if you were more yeah. focused. Ray being a Palpatine. Okay. Like that's not a problem. Except that the last movie said she, her parents didn't matter. That was only a problem because you tried. To, but if you're just following off The Force Awakens and you ignore what The Last Jedi did, that reveal makes sense. That's not a problem. Yeah. And it, uh, Ray and Kylo getting together, like they have a kiss at the end out of nowhere. Okay. They kind of, they had a connection. They had, they had a connection kind of thing going on and they had decent chemistry. And I didn't think that was super weird. They just didn't lead up to it very well uh like things like that there was a, or luke lifting the x-wing out of the water from mm-hmm. like okay you're just doing it because he didn't do it in the last one it that's not a bad moment but your placement of it's it's the fact that they tried to get half everything all at once mm-hmm. yeah it wasn't that the moments themselves were bad it's just that they didn't want to lead up to it organically mm-hmm. so i gotta be like Okay, fine for some of this. Yeah. One of my small theories that I had was that when uh, Kylo was hearing Darth Vader talk to him, it was through Snoke. Snoke was manipulating the Force to make him sound like Darth Vader. And that yeah. was kind of true, but it was technically Palpatine who was making himself sound like Snoke and Darth Vader. Right. So I was just like, yeah. I was like, that was a cool... I was like, there's a little check for me at the beginning of Rise of Skywalker. Um. Yeah, all that, all that fun jazz. So I guess I'll do it. I'll try to defend Luke. <laughs> um, you go for it, cause I don't. I'll do my best, but I hate. Listen, it. I understand <laughs> I it why so people are upset about it because he is the embodiment of hope in this universe. 
-hmm. He is the entire reason why the most evil man in the galaxy was able to turn good again. Um, however, he has tried for many years to restart the Jedi Order. And then when he takes in a son of his sister and tries to work with him, he notices he's got some dark, dark tendencies. And then he makes probably the biggest mistake of his life where he contemplates, you know, striking him down. But you could all obviously object to that and say that was the dark side trying to poke his head in again. Because, let's be honest, Luke has used some dark side shit before. I mean, at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, he choked the shit out of the two guards. Mm -hmm. um, he's always used it a little bit in his life. But then he hesitates. He's, he stops himself. He was ashamed of himself when he did it. But it was too late. Ben saw what he was about to do. He knew that uh, he saw that Snoke was manipulating him. Or, sorry, Luke saw that Snoke was manipulating Kylo already. And then Kylo got saw the last straw and then turned on him, destroyed his temple with everybody in it. And then that mistake would probably lead a lot of people to depression. And I fully believe that Luke would probably have given up at that time and probably excluded himself from wherever to that island world. Yes, I am pissed off at the throwaway joke of him throwing the lightsaber at the beginning of Last Jedi because that was an epic moment at the end or an epic cliffhanger at the end of episode seven where you see him look at the lightsaber and it's great acting by Mark Hamill where he sees it and he's like, holy fuck, it's back. And then it's just thrown away as a joke at the beginning of Last Jedi. That kind of, that irks me a bit. But I fully believe the mental state that Luke is in in The Last Jedi. I don't. I understand that... Okay, I got it. Def I'm defending. I'm defending. I know the problems with it. But I just... It never sat right with me. I understand that he's depressed. I understand that it would be a problem for him. What I can't condone is that he... I could maybe understand him not wanting to build another Jedi Order. But to decide that all the teachings were stupid and that I'm just going to exile myself on this island and die and not participate in any galactic events ever again. Like you didn't help topple the empire. Like, okay, sure. Maybe the Jedi arrogance is what led to Sidious in the first place. That's what he did say. And he was kind of right there because of how they treated Anakin. But it's like, well, you, you gave it a shot, but you didn't really try. It's just the idea that he'd exile himself and not help out anybody else ever again, that he'd abandon Leia and Han and leave Kyle and just let Kylo Ren do whatever. Like, well, he turned. And I even understand that moment of hesitation where he's like, crap, maybe, maybe he's, maybe he went bad. How am I going to handle this? But to just take himself out of that situation entirely, to not try to redeem Ben Solo more, to leave Han and Leia and never see them again, that felt all wildly out of character to me. I can't condone that. This is another scenario where I say I don't mind the depression arc. That's fine. I mind that he did this and then they killed him off in that same movie. Yeah. I don't mind. 
on paper that's my problem that, with as well. That's my main hang up with this. I, I don't care that they made Luke Skywalker go through a rough patch in his life. That's fine. It, but it's that the rough patch in his life was so shoehorned in and his reaction to it felt so unlike the character I've come to know for most of my life. And even in the end, he doesn't leave the island. He still dies on the island. and For some reason. <laughs> yeah. And doesn't come back to keep going. And he saw that he was wrong. And then he, but then he dies anyway. It's like, well, well, what do you, what do you, what do you, it's just infuriating. It just felt like character assassination. And like, I, I don't know. Most people who seem to love the last Jedi don't care as much about Luke Skywalker. And most of the people who hate the last Jedi care a lot about him. I'm just mm-hmm. saying when it comes to, when it comes to that character in particular, a lot of people are willing to give it a pass, except a lot of big fans of the character. It's like, well, maybe you're okay with that in principle because you never really cared for. It's like you said, he was the symbol of hope uh, of this. He, he was the guy where Obi-Wan and, and Yoda realistically were like, Anakin's too far gone. He's... You know, he he destroyed our order and you got to kill him. And he's like, no, he's my father and I'm going to try to redeem him as best I can to save my friends, to help the rebels. And and then I'll try to redeem my father at personal risk to myself. I'll throw away my lightsaber in front of the emperor just because I'm not going to strike down my own father. This isn't the guy who would throw away everything because he got a little sad. And because what he tried to do failed, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. I don't think it's because he got sad. I think it's just because it's the first time ever in his life that he has failed at being a Jedi. And he thinks that he can't be a Jedi in the right way. I'm, I mean, there's, that's the whole reason he's read the, he's like barely read the Jedi texts. He doesn't understand them. It fails him, and then Yoda comes in, and he says, failure's the greatest teacher. Yeah, I think it's just the extreme. I don't mind that, once again, I don't care he's going through a rough patch. I mind that he gave up entirely and died there, and he never got a serious redemption. I like, in principle, that Luke was going through a rough patch, and that Yoda was like, he calls him young Skywalker still in that movie, like he's humbling him, even though like Mm -hmm. he's an old man, and Yoda still calls him... Like, That's what makes me mad too is that he never got an actual redemption arc. But the yeah. I think what people are saying he wouldn't be depressed or he wouldn't be like like that stuff to me makes sense. But the fact he never really got a redemption arc sucks. Yeah. It's once again, it's not even that he he wouldn't he would probably be depressed. It's just that he fell so far into depression and then we never saw him pull his way out of it. Yeah. That's what's tough. That's just like why why would you make a story like that? Why would you why would you do that to Star Wars fans. And that's why I see The Last Jedi to me is I don't like seeing it as the canon way the story went. It just be, It's way too unsatisfying for me as a Star Wars fan. This franchise that's mm-hmm. all about hope in the face of overwhelming odds and the story and Luke Skywalker, the most hopeful character in the franchise, ends on such a somber note. It doesn't sit right with me whatsoever. But it's fine as an alternate take as a hey this is a what if scenario if i see it as not the way things went i can accept it 
on paper, don't mind it. But as the canon version, as Mark Hamill's last hurrah as this character in live action, I know he came back in Rise of Skywalker, but that was a cameo. That wasn't the point. Yeah. It's, yeah. But positive, positive. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is Mark Hamill's greatest live action performance in the whole franchise. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, The work he did here was exceptional. I mean, it got hyped up so much. J.J. Abrams was like, he deserves an Oscar nomination. I think he did. For this. Mm-hmm. He was so good. Um, the, the scene where... Um, I'm losing my train of thought. This happens on occasion. I'll even say that I liked his death scene a lot. I think it was the perfect death scene for Luke Skywalker. Just, I just wish it hadn't been in that movie. Yeah. The idea that he's he's at peace with himself, he takes a look at a binary sunset, and then he mm-hmm. just fades away and becomes one with the Force after doing something awesome. Like, okay, that's a good ending for him. That he just, he became at peace and he kind of faded himself away like Yoda did. It's like, oh, you're you're very powerful, and that's a good ending. It's just that he did it in the middle installment, and... <laughs> That's what bothers me. Yeah. He, he didn't get a good redemptive arc for that moment to feel paid off. It's kind of like Han. I felt nothing at that moment, and it pissed me off, even though I'm like, this would be a beautiful scene in a better movie. But <coughs> taking that scene on its own, I, I like it. Mm-hmm. And I do like... I agree. And I also like, in principle, the context leading up to it, how he went out, because mm-hmm. it's... It's kind of like, a, I don't like that he actually died there, but I like that the final, the legend of Luke Skywalker, and this was the point, the legend of Luke Skywalker, it's known that he came back when hope was nearly lost for everybody. He comes out of nowhere looking like he's nearly in his prime, comes out with the blue lightsaber. A lot of people would remember him walks right up in front of the army of the First Order, gets blasted by all these ATATs, brushes it off, fights the Supreme Leader of the First Order in one-on-one combat, and holds everybody at bay until the Rebels have a chance to escape, and then presumably dies there. But that's... It, it, it's like they said, you need the the spark to light the flame to burn down the first order. And that was, that was the moment nobody there had the power to inspire hope, but the legend of Luke Skywalker, well, he he was wrong. The legends do matter. And (laughs) he, he provided one last story to inspire everybody in the end, which I can get behind that in principle. That's fine. I just, I don't, I still don't like, I don't think it was led up to very well. It was too soon. It was too soon, but I do like, in principle, that it was ultimately a hopeful message. He decided to use his legend one last time to be like, okay, well, I'm not going to make it through this, but what I do here will give the necessary push mm-hmm. to make something good happen later. See, you could say his sacrifice was still worth it. It didn't feel worth it enough to me in that moment no. was the problem. Because they were so diminished. The Rebels yeah. were so diminished. I mean, like, they kept losing ships throughout the movie, and then they did the Holdo remo- uh, maneuver, which, like, cut the First Order's fleet in half, but not really. Yeah. And then 
they're just remnants at the point. Like they're literally yeah. just remnants at the start of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. It's just, but I also like the idea that Luke is so powerful that he doesn't even need to touch Kylo Ren. Like Kylo is just swinging at everything and he's just dodging left and right. He's like, I don't even, you can't even touch me, bro. Yeah. And they hint that, was that really he wasn't, funny. and the hint that he wasn't even there because his feet on the, on the red sand, everything that touched it, oh, touched whatever. the white salt made it red. But if you're looking closely, his feet aren't doing anything. That's some pretty crazy nice. filmmaking work there. Uh, but yeah, Kylo's making that. Kylo's making red everywhere, hmm. so so there are hints uh, of something bigger going on there. But I I also like Kylo getting defeated in that moment by his own arrogance. He mm-hmm. he wants nothing more than to kill Luke Skywalker because he humiliated him. It's like oh well, this is my mentor is another hurdle I need to pass, and then I don't even get the satisfaction of killing him. He just fades away. That's infuriating. <laughs> For Kylo and the audience. And the audience, yeah. <laughs> but, you're, but, you know, you could say, yeah, that's, that's putting me in Kylo's shoes. Luke did his thing, and it's frustrating, but it proved its point at that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, The Last Jedi. Yeah. They really tried to uh, push porgs on people, huh? Just like <laughs> in terms porgs. of merchandising and. Porgs are cute. They're all right. I like porgs. <laughs> so does Chewy. So does Chewy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, poor Chewbacca. All his friends die and no one cares to console him. I know. Chewie's <laughs> one of the most tragic figures of, of the sequels. Because everybody, Han, Luke, and Leia all die. Yeah. And nobody It's cares. so funny. In Force Awakens, made me realize he had, like, actual, like, fingers and thumbs. Because ah. he was putting the detonator on, and he, like, pressed it. Because all you really see is just a bunch of hair around his, like, hands. You don't see, like, the fingers. I, I don't know what I assumed. If it were claws or whatever. But it just, I was like, huh. He's got human hands. I <laughs> hmm. always found that interesting. Well, I got to give these sequels credit for another thing, too, is that they're the last time we see Peter Mayhew, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker. Mm -hmm. We got to give credit to the other supporting characters of the original cast, too. Yeah. Glad they came back. And Mm -hmm. uh, Billy Dee Williams as Lando in episode nine. That's a plus for episode nine. Like, hey, we finally see you and you didn't get killed off. By the way, The Last Jedi went, I fully expected Episode 9 to be like 3PO, R2, Chewbacca, and Lando aboard the Millennium Falcon. And, well, it's then, like... and then the Millennium Falcon crashes and blows up. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's how The Last Jedi basically well, they, went. They like kill off 3PO, and then they restore his memory in the next scene. It's just like the weirdest thing. Yeah. That was actually sad, though, just, when they had to erase his memory again. Yeah. And then they restored it. I'm like, oh, well, thanks for another meaningless sacrifice. Yeah, it just didn't make sense. Just have them, either have them die, or just don't have that plot in there at all. Yeah. Like, (laughs) just didn't make sense. Can you think of a defense for it? For the C-3PO thing? Yeah, try to spin it defensively. Babu Freak! (laughs) Babu Frick is great. 
if that scene didn't happen, we didn't get Babu free. Yeah. Um, One of the most defense for us. <laughs> See, I also like the droids in these movies. BB-8 and in Rise of Skywalker, we get Dio. Yes, BB-8 is hilarious. His interaction with Finn, where he's like, I'm not a, I'm not a rebel spy. He like backs up like, what? <laughs> <laughs> or the, the lighter thumb. The, the lighter, lighter thumbs, up. thumbs up is the funniest thing ever in these movies. <laughs> it was just like never expected it. I was howling when that happened. I mean, it gets a little goofy in The Last Jedi when he's spewing coins at people and riding a mech or oh my whatever. God. But whatever. He's, he's still yeah. a good droid. And I like, like Who's this soccer ball? But no, he's good. <laughs> and there's Dio, the lost puppy dog droid. We like they find oh abandoned on that ship. He's just like timid with people. Like, oh, you're a little guy. I like. Yeah, I like BB-8. Yeah, the droids are good in these things. Going back, we have yet to try to defend Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> we we've chipped in a few things here and there. Uh. I'm going to go back to The Force Awakens and and defend that. J.J. Abrams has said that the reason Luke wasn't in Force Awakens more was because they thought he'd overpower everybody. They're like, well, we had drafts at the script, and every time Luke showed up, it took the spotlight away for everybody. Right. So we're like, yeah, let's just do episode seven to focus on the new characters and then leave, leave Luke for the end. Which is super smart. And I thought that was great because you spend the whole movie. Where's Luke? Oh, oh yeah. That's also the other crazy thing. Force Awakens opens up with the first line. Luke Skywalker has vanished. What? Mm-hmm. Huh? I'm interested. And then the, you have to wait till the very last scene of the movie. And I know people were pissed. Oh, when that, when the lightsaber went flying by Kylo, they were like, oh, it should have been Luke. And it went to Rey. I'm like, eh, That would have okay. been so fan service and that would have been Luke, though. Yeah, and that would have been fine, except it would have deprived us of the Jedi steps at the end when Ray's, yeah, hiking up Octo, hiking up Octo. You see him turn around on the cliff face, take off the hood, hand out the lightsaber. I, yeah, look, I think that's got to be one of my favorite cliffhangers in movie history. Mm-hmm. To me, it's up there with like Infinity War when everybody's. <laughs> like when when they're dusted and mm-hmm. and the avengers are at their lowest point and it was like what the hell are they gonna do but i also knew what was gonna happen i figured and yeah when i watched that i'm like oh this is crazy but i know a lot of them are coming back but mm-hmm. force awakens was like i have no idea how this is gonna play out this is crazy and i gotta wait two more years to two three mm-hmm. more years to figure that out what the that was nuts. I really liked that they waited to keep Luke till the next movie. It was because great. it just build it builds up his legend. Yeah. Of like he's an important figure to this universe. And that's the literally the main goal is to find him throughout the whole movie. Like that's their yeah. thing. I just think that well, you you can complain a lot of people complain about the Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker, especially for not taking any chances and being way too safe. I think holding Luke Skywalker back until the very last scene of the movie is pretty ballsy. Yeah. Most. Uh, you don't use your main character for the original trilogy at all. And, and he then doesn't you just even leave him. He doesn't even get a line in that movie. 
Exactly. He just Ballsy. gets a, a look. I know, it's crazy. Let's see. Imagine if they did that with, like, Iron Man 2, and Robert Downey Jr. doesn't show up <laughs> until, like, <laughs> the, the very end. end. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just... Whatever. Yeah. People complain about anything these days. Let's see. I think the production design is great across all these movies. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. All the different locations from that first Star Destroyer Ray uh, Ray's in. She's living in an AT-AT to Maz Kanata's mm -hmm. castle. The the throne room in The Last Jedi. Octo. The crate. The sand planet. Even Canto Bite's pretty cool. The Poe's home world. The with the with the smugglers, the the, yes. wreck, the wreckage of the Death Star, Exegol, mm -hmm. all really cool sets and locations. Yeah, the production design for these movies never like it does never has faults. They're all great, um, especially when they have their own. Especially whenever there's lightsaber combat, there's they're all distinct. They're all different, yeah. and you gotta applaud them for that. That nothing yeah. feels too similar. Yeah. I also think these movies were pretty integral in making a renaissance of practical effects back to Hollywood. Mm -hmm. There was a long time there where it was, we're going to overuse CGI for literally everything possible. If we can not make something practical, we'll do it. And CGI wasn't that good. So it, it was <laughs> it was becoming more and more of a, a crutch. Yeah. And then Force Awakens and Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, also Rogue One and Solo, really, I'll, I'll lump them in. They showed that big budget entertainment can rely on practical effects again. And I've seen a lot more franchises following suit ever since that. Mm -hmm. Of course, you still get franchises that way overuse CGI. Marvel comes to mind off the top, but Star Wars has been doing pretty well for special effects work and even the prequels. I think I appreciate their leaps forward in terms of visual effects technology, but because they were so innovative, they look a little dated now, whereas the sequels, I think they're going to hold up a lot longer from a visual standpoint. They didn't create much, but they... They helped bring filmmaking in general back to like a grounded reality. Yeah, preferable roots in mm -hmm. from where I stand. Yeah. They found the good blend. Mm -hmm. So much so, you're seeing uh, even TV shows go back to practical effects. Yes, <clears throat> which is a good thing because your brain goes, "Hey, that's real," and, yes. and it's like, "Oh, someone actually made that." And to be clear, CGI you can. You can have that, oh, it's real too if it's done well enough. But a real thing will yes. always look like a real thing. CGI doesn't always. And that's no. the problem with it. <laughs> Let's see, another great thing about these movies, John Williams. Yep. His episode 7 score in particular is one of my favorites in the entire franchise. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's it's just because... Good. Maybe that's just because within the first few months, like I said, my band was playing it back in high school and I, I got to uh, immerse myself in those tracks more by actually participating in them, performing them. But tracks like like Ray's theme, March of the Resistance, the, the Jedi Steps, 
incredible. I'll, I'll always... Yeah, the music, again, music and the production design, the cinematography, the problems are just the story. Let's be honest, people. Like, it's you can writing. have your own... It's just the writing. I think The Last and, Jedi, know, for all, for all its faults... People higher up are trying to write for them, but there's producers. <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, it's something in my yeah. throat. <sighs> I think The Last Jedi, for all its faults, is arguably the best-looking Star Wars movie from a cinematography standpoint. The Last Jedi? Yeah. I, I would like, argue Force Awakens. I just like the way The Last Jedi looks. It's color palette, the color choices okay. it uses, like all the all the red and blacks, everything. Yeah. Everything feels more saturated and, and, and more deep and more... I think he uses more... Ryan Johnson uses more innovative camera techniques than J.J. Abrams, too. So, like, for camera work and visual style, I, I think The Last Jedi looks... It looks and feels more unique than anything else. Force Awakens mm. feels like other J.J. Abrams movies, which is which is fine. But Last Jedi feels more unique. That's fair. In terms of like Force Awakens, felt like oh, this is what this is kind of a mix of what George Lucas was doing before, but updated. Plus J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams' unique style. But the Last Jedi, once again, you could you could argue that because it doesn't feel like other Star Wars movies, that's a bad thing. And normally I would, but I, I'm being positive and I'm saying I, I like that it stands mm-hmm. out as something all on its own. Also, for people who complain about the Holdo maneuver and why they don't do it every time, it's because it's called suicide. It's You're a not kamikaze. going to. Yeah, it's a kamikaze. Why would why wouldn't you kamikaze in real life all the time? Also, people who complain about it. It's an awesome effect. It is. It's gorgeous. It was a shocking moment. Gorgeous. The no sound in space is accurate. Mm hmm. Also, a defense about Admiral Holdo. She didn't need to tell Poe Jack. Chain of command. Yeah. You don't need to know what's going on above you, and most people below commanders don't mutiny when they don't like, when they don't know what's going on. That was Poe's problem. I mean, yeah, she could have told him. If she saw things going down, she probably should have told him what was going on, but she didn't need to tell him. I think that's on. the part where I can't really defend her is because her reluctance to even say, don't worry, we have a plan and going somewhere led to a mutiny. It's her bad leadership that sort of led to it. But I think they could have also made it a better story element if they just made her spy sure. for the First Order. But I also think... When sometimes when characters are stupid in movies and people latch onto it, like, oh yeah, this that shows you was a bad leader, and and I'm like, okay, fine, sure. So why are why do we ha- assume that wasn't intentional? Maybe because of the way it was executed. Maybe it's because we're supposed to think she was right. I don't know. But when I'm watching this and I say, yeah, she's a bad leader, to me that's just what I see at face value. A character made a stupid choice and consequences arose from it why does that have to be bad screenwriting it was just this is who this character is she's not a good leader and that can be fine we don't have to say it's a screenwriting mistake it's a character mistake i think it's because a part of her a part of her character knew she was being stupid and she could have easily been smarter i think that's the thing I under, your point yeah. is very valid, and I agree with your point. 
that a character can just be a fucking idiot and be a bad leader. I mean, there's so many of that in different types of media. But I think it's the part where it's like she knew she was fucking up and she withheld information on purpose because she just didn't like Poe. Yeah, that's a part of it. I just think there needs to be room and criticism for, you know, the character screwed up, right? It wasn't necessarily bad screenwriting. Why you don't like what happened. Like something's bad. Sometimes stupid things can happen in movies and it's okay. Mm -hmm. Exactly. People always latch on to every stupid thing that happens in a movie and be like, well, why didn't they do that? Well, if you have met most people in real life, people are stupid. They make dumb decisions. Dumb. Why, why, does screen, why do movie characters have to be smarter than us? Yeah. Because so, I don't want stu- people to be dumb in movies. They have to be as smart as me. Yeah. All right, what else do I have here? Um... All right, let's defend the idea that The Last Jedi is one big chase sequence. Yeah. I don't I like, like the I, I don't like the idea that it's happening cuz they're running out of fuel. I think that's dumb. No, yeah. But on paper, I like the idea that this smaller rebel crew is being chased by like with all their commanders on it is being chased by a larger force and don't have any opportunities for backup and it's just okay and they can track us through light speed now so what's what's our plan here how do we how do we get out of this situation mm-hmm. which is a pretty cool setup yeah and them slow and then that rebel force slowly being withered away i think is a good plot line and i think it adds to the eagerness of poe of being like you got to tell us that there's a fucking plan like people were dying here i think it adds to it very well yeah and i also don't mind him that much either you could say his mutiny was stupid because once again chain of command but also his his mutiny was just (laughs) i'm a poe defender (laughs) yeah and that's that's fair too that's what we're doing today that's what we're um oh here we go i see it in your notes ian mcdermott He's having a blast. <laughs> He's always having a blast as Palpatine. Mm-hmm. I like his look. He's got like the little bit of the red robes as well. And yeah. The, uh, I don't know what that hall is with a bunch of the stat. I don't know if they're statues or actual cult people. I was always confused watching that. Yeah. Ian McDermott as Palpatine never disappoints. Mm-hmm. He's just. He's great. He's the baddest bad guy there's ever been in movies, probably. Just a pure evil. No redeeming factors about this guy at all. Mm-hmm. And that's fine to me because I think modern entertainment is too obsessed with the idea of not redemption because that's a good thing, but just everybody's got to have a reason for being bad. They all have to be somewhat sympathetic. Like, oh, I understand where you're coming from. You're not that bad a guy after all. Like, no, some people are just evil. Just. Just yeah, psycho and he also, evil. Uh, he also calls back to the Darth Plagueis moment, too. Yeah. In the opera house, which was awesome. That hurt me. That physically hurt me. It physically hurt you? Okay, not physically, but I... That was scene one of the movie, and I'm like, oh, here we go. But... <laughs> what physically hurt me was freaking seeing Mary saying Sith cloning. 
never thought it was possible. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> just <laughs> we can do better. <laughs> we can <laughs> just say he survived like Darth Maul. Anyway. But if we're going based on our previous defenses, fan service isn't necessarily a bad thing. I'm sure plenty of people enjoyed the callbacks. I was was not one of them in this case. <laughs> yeah, I do like the and people compare this ending a lot to Endgame. And it just sucks that it came out in the same year. Yeah. But the like all the Jedi's like voices coming together to like back up Rey. That's kind of cool. And uh is cool. I mean, you're not going to remember it that they came out in the same year like if you're just casually watching one you know, at a time or at a different time or another. And then her holding the two lightsabers is awesome. It's the Leia lightsaber and the solo and no, and the Skywalker one as well. Yeah. It's a good finale. Yeah. I mean, Ray is pretty powerful in general already, but I liked how on this Sith planet, the Sith channeling themselves through Palpatine well, it's just not as powerful because Sith are all selfish people. They don't like they're they don't really work to make one guy that much more powerful. But all the Jedi mm-hmm. coming together, unified in the Force for this specific purpose of helping this one girl. That and I like getting all the voice actors back too. I wish I could have seen. Yeah, them. I wish I. I wanted got, to like, see a like moment, physically but, see them, but just hearing you their even voices got Hayden and, Christensen too. Yeah, but just hearing their voices was good uh yeah like being the nerd and me being able to pick out everyone I'm like oh cool mm-hmm. cool i get yeah I like get i to- barely recognize kanan in it i don't know if you hear ahsoka which you do. wouldn't make sense oh you do oh wait no it would make sense sorry i keep thinking for some reason she's survived past sequels no we don't know we don't know <laughs> she'll you live assume. forever <laughs> you, you you got to assume she's dead with the you know her voice in there, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, we're recording this before in the middle of the Ahsoka show, so we have no idea what's going to happen to her. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's kind of a cool ending. They didn't mm-hmm. need to bring Palpatine back at all, but fine. He gets yeah. annihilated again. Sure. I feel like this sequel se- uh, trilogy would have been well-received if they just did Duel of the Fates. If they just did that one instead. You know what I mean? Just went full, fully committed. Well, from what I've heard of that story, the thing that was good about it was that it didn't try to backtrack on The Last Jedi. It just, yeah. it whatever Last Jedi did, it tried to actually build on. Mm-hmm. So that was the biggest problem with Rise of Skywalker was that it backtracked too much. And also Rey Wasted had her time. staff. She had a staff lightsaber. Like, that's... Come on. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, that double bladed lightsaber makes sense. For anyway, maybe they'll give it to her in the new Ray movie. Probably. You know, we I haven't talked anything about Ray. Somehow we've gone this whole time talking to everybody. about. She's Rey. she is OK. She's I don't think she's terrible. I just think she's given no flaws. And that's the problem. Besides, she loses her anger. Uh, she loses her cool a couple times throughout the trilogy. That's the only real issue, character-wise, she has. She's got Daisy Ridley, in... I think, is an amazing choice. She's, She's so an amazing good. actress. I mean, this role I made think... her a ho- like it made her a household name. Yeah, she was a nobody. She's mm-hmm. 
That's the only problem with her is that she has barely any flaws. And she's basically just written more and more powerful within each scene just to be like, hey, she can be cool too. That's the only issue. Yeah. See, Ray is somebody I've always had a mixed feeling about. Like, in Force Awakens, I'm like, okay, you're interesting, but I don't really think too much about you. You're, okay, sure. Whatever, you're a little bit, um, a little bit too flawless, but all right. And then Last Jedi was like, okay, you're beating Luke Skywalker in a one-on-one fight. You're, you're stealing his books. You're going. Well, to be fair, he's old. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter with the Force. He'd have a lightsaber. I don't care. We're not getting to this. Yoda's <laughs> 900 years old. He's the most powerful one. He's dead. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, Last Jedi was like, okay. I mean, people say Mary Sue. They float that around with her. Last Jedi yeah. was like, uh, okay, you're that, you're starting to feel more like that to me. Mm-hmm. And you could say Rise of Skywalker did that the most. But Rise of Skywalker, for some reason. But they Ray set up her. She was training. Yeah, for some reason, Rey was my favorite in Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. By the end of Rise of Skywalker, I'm like, you know what? You're just an uber-powerful Jedi who's flawless and really good at everything. And for some reason, I'm kind of digging that now. Maybe because you're yeah. more self, you're finally self-confident as a character. You don't have that internal doubt you had before. We're like, oh, I'm so good, but I don't feel like I am. And that was kind I of- I also really thing. like her new lightsaber, her yellow one. Oh, yeah. It's kind of made from her staff material. Yeah. So that was her whole thing before was just she didn't know how she didn't feel like she was as good as she was. And she's like, oh, maybe I'll be evil. Maybe. <laughs> and then Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. was just like, nah, nah, she's just like basically a Jedi master at this point. She's she's self-confident. She's pretty driven. She knows exactly what she wants to do. She's just doing it. Mm-hmm. She's probably going to rebuild the order. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like you're just kind of an idealized Jedi at this point. You're just a badass good guy who's taken down the bad guys and you're going to take the legacy of everything you've learned and you're going to do better with it. And that's why I'm excited for the Ray movie because I I like that once you just once they stopped pretending she was she had any real flaws. I'm mm-hmm. like you know what? I'll I'll take you as just the badass good guy. And that's okay. That's valid as a character. I've heard that the way to write perfect characters is that they're good and the world has to change around them. Their goodness is the is the center which everything has to revolve around, basically. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem was they didn't play her like that earlier. Uh, yeah. An example I've heard about is like Marty McFly. Like nothing changes. Like Marty McFly doesn't have any character growth in the first movie, but everyone kind of pivots around him mm-hmm. his actions change everybody but him his steadfastness is part of the point and now that they're playing ray that way she's actually kind of interesting to me so i'm i'd like to see mm-hmm. her continue uh but daisy ridley is such a great performer i, I have in my notes she's here so good how uh like the moment she sees grass for the first time on uh on that on maz Kanata's planet that's a fantastic moment she only mm-hmm. ever knew this desert world. And oh, this is also what, the moment this? it's covered in green. What the <laughs> also the moment where she's um in like the torture chair and Kyle is trying to uh like torture her, like get into her, 
her mind and she's like fighting as hard as possible. It's also a great acting moment for Oscar Isaac earlier on when he's getting tortured through yeah. the mind as well. Um, great casting. Just they nailed it. Um, and then later on where it's her and where it's Ray and Kylo fighting in the. See, this is why I thought she was a Skywalker from the beginning, because they're fighting. Ray's clearly losing. And then Kylo's like, you need teacher. I can show you the ways of the force. And she's blocked. She's in a defensive stance. And then she like closes her eyes and starts to channel the force. To me, that was her remembering her training because through the, when she had the visions of like touching the lightsaber, she had a vision of Kylo Ren and the, um, his like goonies. I can't remember what they're called. The, uh, the Knights of Ren. Knights of Ren. They like, they were there. It looked like they were at the, the temple that got burned down as well. So that was, that was always my theory. Um, so yeah, just great moments from, from her and all the rest of the cast as well in terms of acting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else about, about Ray? Um, I don't really have a lot to say about her. <laughs> she yeah. got nice hair. <laughs> oh yeah. She's got a good style. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like that she, I didn't really care when she called herself a Skywalker. I was just like, oh, come on. I didn't care either. Like, I was really? just like, yeah. I'm like, well, I just, re- I just like they had, they tried to like hype it up a lot too. If like John Williams score, try to make you feel it. And then you just walk out of theater like, ugh. <laughs> I was just, okay. I'm like, she never knew her family. And when she did mm-hmm. find out who they were, they were all evil. And Leia yeah. and, and Leia and Han were kind of her surrogate parents. And Luke was sort of her mentor as well. So I'm like, okay, I guess That's the you thing, though, call if, yourself Skywalker. If, like, if she was able dead. to have, if it was written, if she was able to spend more time with Luke when he was alive, then I could have seen her taking on that name or like Luke giving her that name. Yeah. I just think it it's... I can see this cutting either way, where you can say the movie nearly had a uh, an overarching story where by her choosing the name Skywalker, you can either say it ruins Last Jedi's idea that lineages don't make somebody great, or you could say it bolsters it, perhaps, in that she came from a bad lineage and also she came from simultaneously a bad lineage and a lineage of nobodies made herself a somebody and broke out of the shadow of her, of her bad lineage. So she did both really. Mm -hmm. And then she chooses the name of the good lineage, even though she doesn't need to just to say, well, I'm still morally, aligned with these guys like well i i proved my point already but i still call myself a skywalker out of respect because i don't really have a clan of my own and i still want to belong somewhere so it's like well you you did prove your point already you came from nothing and broke out of the something that you were Mm -hmm. supposed to be so she's kind of all in one so I, I don't know if it necessarily ruins anything that she calls herself Skywalker. It's fine. Yeah. I think people just hate on it because they just don't like her. 
Yeah. I think that's it. It's fine. I, me- I mellowed on her with time. I had, I used to have feel more strongly about it. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, she she's... buries the lightsabers in the desert where it all started. Uh, yeah. And I've heard the criticism about that, which is so true, but it's stupid. Hey, Obi-Wan buried his lightsaber in the desert. Well, you ever hear that joke where they're like, if you really knew the Skywalkers, you'd know they all hate tattooing. So why are you burying them there? Whatever. It's fine. I know. I don't care. It's more fan service. It's fan service. It's nostalgia bait. And I'm like, you know what? Whatever. You can't bury it on the Falcon. There's no sand on the Falcon. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's, that's fine. We saw the Knights of Ren, finally. Barely. Got their ass kicked. We saw the Knights of Ren, <laughs> and they got their ass kicked. Oh, sorry, kicked. we saw them. It was awesome. Yeah. They nearly killed Chewie. <sighs> no, that was Ray. Never mind. That was Ray. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they nearly killed Ben, and then they did that teleporting trick. That was cool. I will say for the how much for- it does the dyad thing doesn't really make that much sense. It's a cool new concept. Yeah. For the force where it's Finally, like these so, people are different. so, these people are so connected that they're able to see each other almost all the time and interact with each other. That's really cool. And that's what was set up well in the last Jedi that moved on to the rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I'm glad they kept doing I also like Adam Driver when he pulls out the lightsaber and then he does like the shrug. <laughs> He's like, yep. Yeah. Leia's lightsaber looks cool too. I like her design. Yeah. I also like getting to see Luke train Leia even briefly. Mm-hmm. In That's the, cool. In those flashbacks. The deep fake. Let's see. Rise of Skywalker. I basically just say I like like Kylo Ren versus Rey was good. I like Ian McDermott. I like getting more of Poe's backstory. Lando, uh, see the Knights of Ren. It's fan service, the movie, but you can, you can be positive on that. Basically, I just say it's a stupid adventure movie. It's so dumb, but it's fun. <laughs> and it's like, it's a mystery. Like they're trying to find, oh, what's on the, what's on the Death Star with the dagger and like, oh, find the, find the path back to Palpatine. And I'm like, look, look, as a critic, I catch flack for kind of liking this movie sometimes. And it's like, look, what I always say is I respect The Last Jedi more than this because The Last Jedi was right trying to do new things. Mm-hmm. I just, I disagreed with all the things he chose to do, but I respect that he tried. Rise of Skywalker, I don't have much respect for. I think it's a movie made by committee. It sucks in many regards. But it also doesn't piss me off as much as, as Last Jedi. Right. It's doing exactly what it's trying to do. It's being safe and lighthearted. And I connect more with that tone. I have a better time watching Rise of Skywalker. Last Jedi just frustrates me and makes me angry most of the time. Even though I think it's a better movie. So yeah, if you're going to ask me, oh, which which sequel are you going to pop in if you have a chance? Force Awakens. Force Awakens <laughs> is the answer. If you were going to watch another one, Rise of Skywalker. Last yeah. Jedi is the best of the three, on a probably. Um, well, 
I don't know. Force Awakens is probably the best, actually. Yes. Generally speaking, I have a lot of problems with Last Jedi from not just story reasons, but mm-hmm. you've heard a lot of criticisms of the Last Jedi. Well, Do we want to try to defend Canto Bite, or we're just not going to touch? <laughs> oh, we avoided all that, didn't we? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to touch it. <laughs> Capitalism bad. He was right. Capitalism bad. Slavery bad. <laughs> Animal abuse bad. Bad. War profiteering, bad. Uh, oh my god, we completely forgot Benicio Del Toro was in these movies. Just one. He's, oh, just, yeah, that's just, wow. Completely forgot he was there. Yeah. Like, well, he brought up a good, like, a plot line that they never expanded on, where it was, like, the ships from the Rebels and the um, First Order all came from, like, the same people. Yep. Yeah, and he's just like, oh, well... Doesn't matter to me. First Order, Rebels. Yeah. I profit off them both. Athens smelt. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, we're, that's the character choice we're going with, Benicio? All right. <laughs> uh, all right. There's probably more we could say, but I... Well, I, I think, think we're good. <laughs> I think we did better than I than I thought we would. Yeah. We kept These movies mostly... aren't bad. They're just frustrating. I think okay, as a trilogy, they're bad. It's a it's an awful trilogy from start to finish. But as individual movies, they've got not from start. Force Awakens is no. I mean, as a as a trilogy, Force Awakens does stuff. Last Jedi, Force Awakens sets everything up on a T. Last Jedi. Okay, I see what you're saying. Last Jedi swings like backwards for some reason because it was unexpected to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it, like you wouldn't hit the T, like because that's too expected. And then Force Awaken, and then Rise of Skywalker's like, oh no, we got to swing back around and and hit the T again because because that's what we were trying to do. But we'll like hit it in the like I, I don't know where I'm going with this metaphor. It's it's okay. You're bad. <laughs> it's a disconnected trilogy completely, and it makes yeah no sense. It's no it's not cohesive whatsoever, except maybe. Sure, just put one creator behind it. Yeah. Kylo Ren was good as a through line. Um, you could argue, like I said, you could maybe argue the theme of being a nobody to greatness was also mm-hmm. okay from start to finish with a bit of rocky areas. Um, but the production design is all good throughout. The cast and crew are all are all good. I don't have complaints about how these movies were made, just how they were written mostly. Yeah, I and I agree. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's so tough because there's a lot of, of these movies that I do love because it's part of the franchise that I adore. It's yeah. just how it's written. It's usually how modern Star Wars has been a problem <laughs> throughout the last few years. It's just how it's written. I'm just at that point as a fan now where I'm. I'm not tricking myself into liking them, but I'm starting to accept them. Yeah. For for what they are. I doing rewatches of the franchise, I'm probably gonna continue to not watch these as often as the others. But I'm also like, you know mm-hmm. what? Fine. And I, I think it's because of the TV shows, personally. Shows like Rebels, Ahsoka, The Mandalorian. Um I don't know if anything else has been set in that era right now but book of boba fett like whether the shows 
the shows are okay, but they're setting up this era better now. Yeah. Giving more context for the politics leading up to Force Awakens. And I feel like the TV shows are going to do what Clone Wars did for the prequels. And that by the time all the shows are said and done, I'll have more appreciation for the sequels because Dave Filoni bent over backwards to fix them. <laughs> to fix up the context. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. He'll probably inherit Skywalker Ranch. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, he still has, I think George Lucas still has kids. Yeah. But in terms of Star Wars creative vision, Dave Filoni is the best successor to George Lucas that I've seen thus far. 100%. And if anyone can give the sequels better context, it'll be him. That doesn't make them a good trilogy still. But as a Star Wars fan who consumes a lot of Star Wars media, I can at least appreciate their place a little bit better. Hmm. They won't feel as disconnected if the buildup is right. So there is still I some hope. There is still some hope for them. I'm, I'm slowly I, coming around on on them. I don't feel as strongly hating about them as I used to. No. Yeah. The last okay. four years have softened me on them a bit. And Ryan's frozen. And he can't hear me. Well, Ryan's gone. So it looks like I got to close out for him. You can find him on YouTube and TikTok at Ryan Walker Official. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at ThoughtPlay Media. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We hope to see you on the next Close Up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time.